Hello, and welcome to That Can't Be Right for yet another week. I'm your host, Eric Ballinger, and with me as usual is... Joe Miller. And this week we are going to talk sort of indirectly about imposter syndrome and all the dubious joys that has. We're going to talk about it through the lens of when to say yes to projects, when to say no, and how to communicate with your uh, with the PI about uh, all that fun stuff. Yeah, I think what we're going to pretty much be looking at is just a small portion of imposter syndrome and kind of talking about how to make sure that you don't allow it to get too far out of hand. What happens when you kind of allow it to go too far forward? So one of the concerns is about how many projects you should be working on or whether or not you're a good fit. When we get into a PhD program, we like to think that we actually know what we're doing. And we tend to get this strange notion that perhaps since we were accepted, that now we actually know what we're talking about, which is often not the case. Mm -hmm. uh, it's this strange notion that seems to be fairly common. I know I've fallen into that trap. It's like, oh, of course I know this stuff. I I know all these things about psychology. I'm in a, an ed psych program that I've been in for all of a month. I don't know anything about this stuff. It, it's almost like that you feel you should be like, once you apply to the PhD program, to get a PhD, you should already have a PhD levels level intelligence, PhD level work ethic, Pretty much you should already have your doctorate once you get accepted and you're in the program. And that's not really the case. The The bigger thing is that we never really think about is we're going to a PhD program, a graduate program, whatever it may be, to continue to learn. And we almost forget that that's why we apply. And for many of us, I know a few graduate students who might be differ, but for many of us, we love learning. We love finding out about new things and discovering new ways of thinking or ideas Yet when we get into a PhD program, that all of a sudden becomes hampered. We lose this willingness to be wrong, which, because we're we're now PhD students, so we should be experts, which clearly we're not. Otherwise, we would have PhDs not be in a doctoral program. Mm -hmm. there, there'd be uh, different experiences. And I think the willingness to be wrong is something that's incredibly important in life in general, but definitely in a, any sort of educational setting. Mm-hmm. But that can go too far the other way, and we'll talk about that. There is there is a degree of balance, like with most things in graduate school. And the problem is, is we're all of a sudden becoming not okay with balance. And I think you're actually very right. The idea of just willingness to be wrong. It's a great life skill that we kind of overlook a lot of the time. I think one thing to be like very aware of is you have two ends of the spectrum. Let's go with the too much two extremes let's go with the golden boy and then the opposite where constantly are worried uh, about everything even the smallest idea you're almost no longer sure of yourself and those are two ends of this spectrum of imposter syndrome the the golden boy is the person who is on every single project regardless of they like it or not they're constantly trying to impress they're constantly trying to be the student that is the most reputable, the most knowledgeable, the most all-around, just the most on everything, the excellent, the gold standard, not all the time, and never really willing to be wrong or try to either go against the grain whatsoever, just constantly try and take on new projects. The opposite end is very much where you're psyching yourself out on things that you do know, where you're all of a sudden in the middle of an exam and you're questioning whether you understand this portion 
of the literature you've already read, something that you've learned in undergrad, you've learned a few times now, but you're even questioning those motifs, those small little subtleties, and you're almost overthinking the problem. Now, I'm using two different spec. I, I am comparing the same spectrum of where you can go too far one way or the other, but I'm also not really using a great example of comparing them. I'm not really going, I'm using one where a student's almost worried so much on their exams, and I'm using for the um, worry wart end, and then the golden boy standpoint, I'm saying they're just taking on too many projects. I'm trying to put those in a slightly different context. So, if we're thinking of the, the golden boy, when they are asked to be on a project, if they are asked to do something that they don't understand, they will pretend that they do. Because if you're, if this principal investigator, if they're, if they're PI, says, oh, I need you to do a multi-level structural equation model over these seven dichotomous variables. Mm-hmm. They'll say, I have no idea what that, well, actually, they won't say that. They'll have no idea what the hell that means. Mm-hmm. But then they'll, yeah, sure, I'll get right on that. Mm-hmm. They have no idea how to do that, mm-hmm. or if that's even actually a real thing. I have no idea if that's a real thing. Uh, well, other than multi-level structural equation modeling is a real thing. You, but you, I, can uh, you do that with you, a bunch you of... Did, you did a pretty <laughs> good job. Uh, I think that's pretty much... But regardless of your accuracy, let's say a professor comes to you with that, right? right. They just say, hey, uh, I want you... Like, I'm working on a project. Can we possibly... Can you do a multi-level... Like, structural equation modeling with seven dichotomous variables? And a lot of times you feel... Sure, you just... You feel like you have to say Yes. Except you don't really know if they know what they're doing either. Right. They could have asked you to do something that actually doesn't work. That's not a real thing. So you won't admit that you have no idea Mm -hmm. what's going on. And you just agree and and run. Uh, For the other end of the spectrum, our our worry wart will say no. Mm -hmm. They won't say, I don't know how to do that. They will say no. (laughs) They'll reject the project out of hand because they don't know how to do that. And that can even come down to just saying, hey, I need you to fill out this IRB proposal for a survey. Right. And IRBs are, uh, depending on your institution, they're either really easy or really difficult. But if you've never filled one out, they're kind of funky. But at the same time, we're still coming back to this idea of just pretty much saying no too much. Right. Yes. So yeah, if you're asked to fill out the IRB and you say, I don't know how to do that, no. Mm -hmm. Versus... I've never seen one of those, but I'd be happy to try. Uh, and the, the part that I think is missing here, that is the important balance part, is mm-hmm. that I'm, I cannot force myself to to, to ignore. Because um, if someone asks me to do something I don't know how to do, I will usually tell them, sure, but I don't know how to do that. Um, yeah. and, and, and <laughs> Which the, I know is really difficult for other people to do. Yeah, and I, I think I don't really know why you're good at doing that because I know a lot of people are really bad. Excuse me. I know I am terrible at it sometimes because sometimes like I'll like jump in and go, I have no idea what they want me to do. And I think we're, we kind of talked about this at one point, maybe not today, but it's this idea of like maybe even the professor doesn't know exactly what you're doing. And you're almost so much so that you're either wanting to just say yes or no, you're not really willing to explore the question more. You're not really wanting to see if you're able to do it because you feel like you have to be one or the other. You have to be gun-ho from the beginning or not. And I think right then you pointed out a great point. I want to do that, but I have no idea how to do this. And it's a great happy medium because it opens up a point of discussion. And I think 
some of that could be my age. I'm older than most people in the program. And I don't care if people realize I don't know stuff because <laughs> um, it doesn't affect me. Uh, but the other part might be um, my background and my interest in institutional research. And a huge chunk of institutional research is trying to figure out what the other person is actually asking you to do. As a graduate student, you assume that your supervisor knows what they want you to do mm. and what they're asking you to do is, in fact, feasible. And I think that is something that very much a lot of people are not okay with, knowing that they're super – like, admitting their supervisor is wrong. And – not even a matter of wrong. They might just be guessing. Oh, yeah. But I'm going with just the idea of calling into question their supervisor. Certainly. Because even coming back to this multi-level SEM, dichotomous, seven variables, just using that alone, a lot of times, and especially for stats, and let's take a side moment here, sometimes we just hear a really cool thing that people are doing, right. and we think we should do it in research without really knowing if our data set is feasible with that kind of, like, with that kind of interest or model oh, or technique. We have no idea, but... Professors all of a sudden have this huge idea. They want to do something without fully exploring it themselves. Right. And or, or even if it's a, oh, we want to do this structural equation model. That's awesome. What's your data set look like? Oh, we've got 30 people. And we asked them 400 questions. Um, so that, you know, so someone took the, we, were, we want to do a structural equation model off of the MMPI on a sample size of 30. Um, well, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. And you really don't want to tell your, your PI that, but they may, you I mean, they may have read it some somewhere and where someone did the exact same thing, but they had 4,000 respondents, but they're not a stats person. They don't know what the hell's going on. You can't, they don't, you can't do that. Or it, let's step it away from the technical. What if you're just doing something with a, a survey? It's like, you can't just download a survey off the internet and run with it. And yeah, has this been validated? I, I don't know. Well, well, you assume that you're, if your PI says, well, we're going to use this inventory for with this uh, subset. You don't really want to question your supervisor and go, "Have you validated that? Is that appropriate for this age group?" Is that let's let's not even do let's go let's take it even a step further down versus just validating stuff. Sometimes unintentionally, PIs will go against the IRB standards or they violate something because they think they should do this. But they aren't familiar with the IRB standards. And let's case in point, use a full example here. You know more about the IRB current standards because you did something with city training. You had something where you actually mm -hmm. went through recently. You found out that you couldn't do this, but they ask you to do it. In this example right now, if you're not comfortable with discussing and saying, no, I don't think you can do that or having an open discussion, you're clearly violating. <laughs> you're accidentally violating the Belmont report. Yeah. Good job. But that's like, but let's 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 use an extreme example. Right. Let's come back down to using stats and getting a little bit more technical. Like for me, I know sometimes personally, I will have a tendency to speak longer than I need to, because maybe it is a inflection of what I think I need to sound smarter, or I think I need to do more and um, say things more intelligently to fit the golden boy standard. I lean more towards that. Like I try to get as much projects as I can. But the truth is. You can create more violations with both within your model, within your um, research, and by doing that to such an extent, by not calling into question whether you're okay with being wrong or even calling your supervisor, your PI, and saying they're wrong. I think the IRB 
and the violations with research protocol for each um, university is a very good example of how what happens if you don't have an open communication. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's the other thing that we really need to, to focus on here is don't don't tell your PI that they're wrong. That That's no good. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't want you to walk them- into a room and go... Like, they ask you, like, hey, and you go just shout at them, no, 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 you're wrong. I just finished my city training. You're clearly mistaken. You're, yeah, you, <laughs> everything you've don't. done, your entire research is, is violated. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. But if they ask you to do something that seems a little weird, say, hey, is that okay with whatever? Uh, or if they ask you to do something with stats that you don't understand, tell them you don't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. That you're willing to figure it out, or you're willing to learn, or if they want to show you, if they have some sort of resource they want you to look at, great, do that. Where this comes into play in terms of uh, self-care is don't wander into a project that you have no idea how to do it, and you don't know what the time commitments are actually are likely to be. Chances are you're not going to know that anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, until you've done a bunch of stats or a bunch of research or a bunch of lit reviews, you really have no way to know how long it'll take. Mm-hmm. So there's that question of time commitment. Don't be afraid to admit, admit when you have no idea how something works. Because one of the concerns could be if someone says, oh, I need you to do this bizarre statistical model. If you say, I don't know how to do that, like, oh, well, Jimmy's clearly an idiot. We'll never work with him again. Which is certainly a possibility. You, you, might, have, you might have a PI who's like, oh, if I have to train you how to do stuff, I'm not, I'm not on board with that. And let's point <laughs> out that if you have a PI like that, you don't want to work with them anyway. Exactly. <laughs> but I think the far more likely occurrence is if if you're asked to do some sort of task that you don't know how to do, mm-hmm. that you just say, sure, I'll have that for you on Tuesday. And Tuesday rolls around and you still have no clue how that works. That's far more likely to get you a, you know what, I'm gonna not going to work with Jimmy anymore because Jimmy is an idiot. It's not that he doesn't know how to do stuff. Yeah. He's an idiot. Because at that point, instead of admitting, instead of taking, let's say, um, taking like the like hit at the beginning, where you take a hit to your ego, you now took an extra, like an extreme hit to your overall credentials because you were so focused on trying to impress. You were so focused on trying to just do and meet your standards. I think that is something that really comes down to, especially when we're doing the self care and we're coming right out after talking about projects a lot of times. And I think there's something that we need to talk about when it comes down to um, imposter syndrome, the okay with asking for extensions for projects, for courses with ideas related to being okay and saying, yes, I'm okay to do this. No, I'm not. One thing like right now, we just got off our own finals week as of now, but a lot of times there are still sometimes PIs are asking us to do all this work while we're trying to manage finals and projects and yeah, because all that stuff happens at the same time. For some reason, well, you're collecting data all through the semester, and like, yeah. well, we're running out of time for the semester, and we need to do the thing now. That's that's when everyone has to do the thing now. Is is at the end of the semester. So, but it comes but, down to being able to say, like, I can do this project now. I can't do this project now. And I think one of the professors that we've worked with brings up a great point. What is so wrong with asking for an extension when you have everything else going on? Well, it depends on what you're talking about an extension for. Don't ask for extensions for your classes unless something serious has happened because that involves a layer of bureaucracy that is well beyond your instructor. Mm-hmm. So they've asked you to do a bunch of stuff. They ask you to do these papers and projects and whatever. 
if it's like our university, grades are due by noon five days after the semester ends. So if you say, well, can I push this back till that last Friday? Yeah, you've just asked them to grade a project, your project, in five days. So they might say yes, but they're going to remember that they had to grade your project in five days over the weekend while they also probably still had to attend commencement and still had to do all this other stuff. So if is it's... That, is that why professors are always on their phones or still grading projects during commencement? That, is, that's, is, uh, is that the reason? That's a distinct possibility. Uh, but so if it's a, if it's an actually a, a thing in, for class, don't ask them to put those deadlines back because they can't. Mm-hmm. I mean, and if you if you really want to know uh, people that are unpleasant, it is almost certainly people in the registrar's office because the registrar deals with the records for every single human being in your university, and all thirty thousand of them all think their case is special, mm-hmm. uh, and they're all wrong. <laughs> um, so. So when someone comes to the registrar and says, oh, I need to return this grade in late, they're going to yell at your professor. Your professor has almost certainly had to deal with the registrar at least once in a similar circumstance, and they really didn't like it. <laughs> so, they're, so, so if you have to, so if you're like, I need to turn this project in a week late, mm-hmm. there really needs to be a hard reason, not just, oh, I fell behind or I didn't know how to do this. No, 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 no. There should probably have been bloodshed involved. <laughs> Um, a little gruesome, but uh, I think you I think you got your point across. Uh, but other projects, so there's that other problem, of course, is that if it's something like uh, like you're putting together an AERA pro- proposal, those usually have fairly hard deadlines as well, and you just have to know how that works. And that is one of the bizarre things about being a grad student. There's all these deadlines, and we've talked about deadlines before that they aren't where you expect them to be. They're never convenient. <laughs> well, you know, it's a matter of convenient. It's it's a oh, where the hell did that come from? Like oh, so I want to be I want to submit something to AARA for 2020. Cool. It is due by the first week of July. Uh, yeah, it's the first week of July this year in 2019. So, oh, what like seven or eight months ahead? More. It's almost ten. Wow. That's... Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. Yeah, but it also comes right at the heels. I mean, uh, again, at our school, that's right in the middle of uh, one of the, of the summer semester. It's on the heels of that spring semester. So you might have been working on projects. And so you've had to collect data and get your lit review all sorted mm-hmm. out. And, get it, and AARA doesn't care. Uh, they are the uh, second largest conference in uh, North America. So if you can't get your project in on time, yeah, whatever. Um, but, but I think, so maybe I'm going to take a diff, different so, way from going about this, but I think maybe. But asking the, for extensions for papers or for projects is fine as, but bear in mind like where you're at in the semester. Like well, the, right. Like hard deadlines, I think are a bit like you have to, that is coming back down to this weighing thing. And I think we're kind of, we're talking about deadlines a little bit more than probably for some imposter syndrome. But I think that's a great point. Like when you need to be able to acknowledge your deadlines and willing to say no, yes. And be able to have that right. clear line of communication. One thing that I very much want to was I think we've kind of talked about is how much imposter syndrome really affects your communication between you and your PI. Mm-hmm. And I think that is such a huge thing that needs to be talked about, especially in self-care and the idea of being aware about how much that can impact both not just that one moment, but your long-term career. 
Because remember, you went to graduate school to learn. But for some reason, we thought once we got to graduate school, we already should know everything. <laughs> we're experts now. We're, 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 the, we're the experts. We're the, uh, we should be the top of our field. Um, and everyone feels that. Yeah. Uh, one of the strangest experiences I had was talking to a uh, professor, again, here at our university in a completely different department. He has won every teaching award that the university has. And he says he still has these fears that the PhD police will show up one day and say, I'm so sorry, we gave you the wrong piece of paper. That's not yours. So that's going to happen. So don't think that your that your professors aren't subject to this as well. They, they have no There's a part of them that is terrified that someone will find them out. You ever wonder why the dissertation's never published? <laughs> right. If you tell them that you don't know how to do something, unless they are a jerk, and again, this comes back to what I said earlier, if you say, I don't know how to run that analysis, can you tell me how that should work? Or can you point me to a book or mm -hmm. videos or whatever? If they're unwilling to tell you, either because, and if they don't have a good reason, like, oh, well, like it's for AARA and this is due out in, next week and I need to have that chart. Yeah, sure. They need you to just do it now. Uh, so they can't don't have time to, to sort that out. But if in general they aren't willing to help you learn how to do that, you don't want to work with them anyway. Mm -hmm. So who cares? And I think that's such a hard thing for somebody to swallow, though, because like this person could be a top per like a top person in their field, mm -hmm. um, and you you want to strive towards that. You want to strive towards that success that they have. But remember, it's not going to be beneficial how high they're up. You can't ride their coattails. You need to be able to learn something while you're in a doctor right. program and i think there is a degree to be aware that at the same time learning how to communicate with your pi is such a huge portion because imagine this you're going to have one person who has possibly imposter syndrome you have probably another one who's struggling with imposter syndrome to somewhat of a different degree but having two people trying to communicate about something creates this tension sometimes to make sure that you're on the same page and that comes down to the projects that you work on together and trying to have an open, clear dialogue is a very difficult thing to do in any situation. But right. imagine adding the degree of imposter syndrome on that dialogue as well. Or the, again, let's not even ignore the fact that you've told them that you know how to do a thing. Mm -hmm. And they're assuming that you do. So whether or not you feel good about it, you've just created a problem. And this, this does come back to the notion of self-care, of... Only you should accept projects that you shouldn't accept projects that are only things you already know how to do because you don't learn anything that way. But you also should not accept projects that you have no idea what you're doing without clearly stating that to whoever's in charge. The I'm willing to, to do this analysis, but I, I don't know how to do it right now. The one thing you said right there is very true, though. You shouldn't just do projects that you only know as well, but you should right. try to... <laughs> you're doing. You're not analyzing this with ANOVA? I don't want to be involved. You, you should still try to push yourself, but also not be aware of your own limits. And because at that point, I've actually had more people want to work with me in the past because I was aware, like, I was willing to say no. I was willing to say, no, I, I really, like, I would like, to, I would love to work on that project, but I'm uncomfortable with that. Because I don't know all the details of this information. Mm. I don't know all the details of this project. And I don't really have a great deal of knowledge, especially in this realm. But because of that, they came to me with a later project because there was more of an open dialogue of communication. Right, which goes back to that initial thing we were talking about. That if you tell someone, I don't know how to do that, 
it does not immediately destroy your chances of working with this person. Oh, yeah. Not as much as it would if you said, yeah, sure, and jumped right on this project that you had no idea how to run it. Mm-hmm. You had no idea. Oh, I need to collect data from these people. You've never run subjects before. You have no idea where to find subjects. You have no idea how to... It's like, oh, I've never used an online survey instrument. Mm-hmm. I, I can totally do that. don't even know how to log in. Don't, don't be that guy. Uh, it's not that hard, but don't be that guy. I think what it comes down to is when you're a PhD student or when you're a graduate student in general, there tends to be this uh, interpretation that I am in this graduate program. I am clearly an expert in this now. And that's not true. But we think that if I can't behave as an expert in this field that I have now, that I've been uh, accepted into a graduate program in, I am somehow defective. Forgetting the fact that you're in an educational program because you don't know the answers. If you knew everything, then you wouldn't need to be there. And I think that is the root of most imposter syndrome, is this idea that since we were accepted into the program, clearly we're experts now. Uh, If there's at any point where I'm no longer an expert, then clearly they should never have let me in. I think you kind of said that pretty much as well as you can. I think that is very much what it is at the end of the day. Yeah. Don't think that just because you don't understand something that you're not any good at your job. Pretending that you understand something that you don't means that you're probably not very good at your job. Don't don't do that. I think that's what we got. Mm -hmm. And we will see you next week. And we'll be talking about uh, something else. And until then.